The 13th chapter of Mark's gospel opens with Jesus and his disciples standing outside the temple in Jerusalem. One of the disciples looks at the temple and says, look teacher, what massive stones. I remember walking next to what remains of this temple in Jerusalem. I took a photo of a friend standing in front of one of the stones of the temple. And the top of one of those stones that sat on the ground was way above his head. They were indeed massive stones. And yet there is an irony in this scene. They're standing next to Jesus, the true temple, God incarnate, and they are amazed at some stones. Jesus says, you think that's impressive? Pretty soon it will be a pile of rubble. A little while later on the Mount of Olives, Peter, Andrew, James, and John come to Jesus, obviously perplexed by what he said, and ask him two follow-up questions. First, when will these things be? And second, what will be the sign that these things are about to happen? Jesus' response, sometimes called the mini-apocalypse, is the largest teaching block in Mark's gospel. And our reading today comes from the second half of that block of material. In order to understand his response, we need to consider two advents, two cataclysmic events, and two parables. Jesus' life and ministry, and in fact, the church's life and ministry, take place between his two advents. The first, as the holy child in Bethlehem, and the second, as the judge of the world at the end of history. The New Testament follows this story chronologically from beginning to end, from Gospels to Revelation. But the church year begins today, in Advent, at the end of the story, and then like a flashback in a movie, goes back at Christmas to tell the story from beginning to end. I think one of the reasons we do this is because, unlike a movie whose story takes place entirely in the past, The story of scripture begins in the past, in fact, in the beginning, continues in and through our own lives in the present, and ends at the very end of history. Since the story is ongoing, and we are characters in this drama of redemption, it's helpful to know how the story will end in order to play our parts faithfully in the present. This is precisely what Jesus is doing in our gospel reading. He's directing the eyes of his followers to the story's end so that they, in turn, can direct their lives in light of that end. That's the basic idea, but this is where things get complicated. For in this section, he seems to be moving back and forth between two different cataclysmic events. The destruction of Jerusalem, which happened in 70 AD, and his second coming at the end of history. What's worse, he's likely using the former as a symbol for the latter. One of the reasons for this is that the temple in Jerusalem was understood to be a small-scale replica of the whole cosmos. Or you might just as well say it the other way around, that the whole cosmos is a large-scale version of the temple. In the minds of the Jews of Jesus' day, it was easy to move from what happens to the temple to what would happen to the whole world. So Jesus turns his attention to the end. And the picture he gives is drawn from the book of Daniel, chapter 7, where one, like a son of man, comes riding on the clouds to the Ancient of Days, 
who, after dethroning all others, gives him an everlasting kingdom and a dominion which shall not pass away. And all peoples from every nation and language will be gathered to serve and worship him. What's so remarkable is that Jesus is claiming to be the Son of Man, the one to whom all will offer worship. The imagery Jesus uses of the creative, created order falling to pieces, the sun darkened and the stars falling, is how the Old Testament describes what happens when God comes down to earth. Like our reading from Isaiah, oh that you would tear open the heavens and come down so that the mountains would quake at your presence. When Jesus comes again to gather his elect, it will be what we might call in a similar way, an earth shattering event when creation itself will tremble in the presence of its maker. The fact that Jesus moves back and forth from the destruction of Jerusalem to his coming in glory is the reason why he can say, this generation will not pass away until all these things have taken place. And then immediately go on to say, but about that day or hour, no one knows. All the things he has said concerning the destruction of Jerusalem and its temple will take place within a generation, about 40 years. But no one knows when the Son of Man will come again in glory to bring the world as we know it to an end. And these two cataclysmic events, though tied together symbolically, require two different responses, which, gives Jesus, which Jesus gives using two short parables, the fig tree and the owner's return. To the generation living at that time, Jesus teaches them to watch for the signs which will take place before the destruction of Jerusalem in 70 AD. These he lists in the first half of chapter 13, just prior to our reading for today. When they see the final sign, like a fig tree showing that it's ready to bear fruit, then those in Judea are to flee to the mountains to avoid the coming destruction. But the second parable is an exhortation for every generation from his day down to our own. In this story, a man is going on a journey and leaves a servant to stand watch at the door until he returns. The point of the story is that since he doesn't know when his master will return, he must be always alert and ready. He knows he's coming back, but he doesn't know when. And that is where we live our lives at this moment in the ongoing drama of scripture, between the first advent of Jesus in great humility and his second coming in great triumph. The question is, will we, knowing the end of the story, knowing where history is ended, will we shake ourselves from sleep and live our lives in the present in, in light of his coming kingdom? The two advents, and two cataclysmic events and two parables all add up to one exhortation. I've never been very good at math. And that exhortation is watch. The first disciples failed to watch. In the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus asked them to stay awake and watch with him for one hour. And five times they failed in one night. But his words are stronger than our failings. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. As one scholar notes, if Jesus' words will outlive the cosmos, 
then the world to come is already present in them. A remarkable thought. These are words on which we can confidently base our lives. God is faithful. By him you were called into the fellowship of his son. So, what he said to his first disciples, he says to all. Be on guard. Be alert. Watch. (coughs) Thank <coughs> you.